Hey, y'all. Great to have you back. I gotta let you guys know, I talk about it now and again on the show, but my wife finally went flying with me. Uh, so that was a huge bucket list item for me. She's been very apprehensive about the whole flying thing. You know, she's not a fan of big airplanes to say anything about small airplanes. Uh, but for our anniversary, we took a short night flight. Uh, you know, took off from North Las Vegas, flew up to the northwest part of town. It was just a really short kind of intro flight. And my dad's in town, so he hung out with the kids. So huge thank you to him because uh, it's been a while since we've really gotten to just go out and have a date night. Uh, but it was a cool, calm night, and I figured couldn't beat that for passenger comfort on the first flight. So we just flew out to the northwest part of the city, like I was saying, and um, we did a little a loop or two before we headed back. Uh, she was not a fan. Uh, probably won't be going up again anytime soon. Uh, but it was a really cool thing, you know, getting to uh, take her up and kind of do my favorite thing with my favorite person to celebrate 12 years of marriage. Anyhow, I know some of you listening are veterans, and uh, I hope you guys had a great Veterans Day. Uh, maybe you got a free meal from some of the places around town that do that sort of thing for those who've served. Uh, I know Texas Roadhouse and Buffalo Wild Wings have some pretty sweet things for veterans, along with some others. Uh, if you live in a town without a lot of vets, that can be a really cool thing. Here in Vegas, uh, seems like you can't throw a rock without hitting a veteran. And the lines at some of those restaurants can be just insane, wrapped around the building kind of thing. So so I always pass on the free food. Uh, and when we go out for our anniversary, you know, we got married on Veterans Day. So uh, we try and pick a place that doesn't do the free meals, just in the interest of time and avoiding crowds. Um, but hopefully you had a good one. If you aren't a veteran, I hope you still had a good day. Um, maybe you got a longer weekend or something like that. If your workplace observed the holiday on Friday and between our anniversary and my birthday, uh, it's been a busy week. My dad, he's been in town. He's getting ready to go back home. Uh, so there's not going to be a full blown new episode this week. However, I did go back, tinkered with the sound levels from a previous episode, kind of cleaned it up a little bit and, uh, put it out again this week. So it's one of the rare, maybe the only episode I've done on here that hasn't been about aviation in some way. Uh, but it's about the history of Veterans Day, and I think it's a really important thing to remember the origins of the holiday and to kind of continue to recognize all that it stands for. So without further ado, here is the history of Veterans Day episode. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 13 of the Plaid Pilot Podcast. 104 years ago this week, the Allied and Central Powers of the World agreed to call an armistice until terms of official peace could be drawn up, bringing an end to the First World War. So this week, we're going to be doing something a little different. In honor of that, I'm going to be going off the aviation history path a little bit and talking about the history of Veterans Day. So busy week this week, y'all. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit shorter of an episode than usual. Uh, but last week's was a little bit longer, so on average, I guess we're doing all right. So, uh, of course, we, we do have Veterans Day this week. Uh, it's also my 30th birthday and going to have some family in town for that. More importantly than the birthday stuff uh, is my wife and I's 11th anniversary. So we got married on 11-11-11. So the 11th anniversary is kind of a big deal. Uh, she's absolutely incredible. She's put up with all my shenanigans for well over a decade now. Um, even though she's terrified of flying, she's been super supportive of all my aviation endeavors. And, you know, she's she's funny. She's creative. She's one of the kindest people you could ever hope to meet. Um, and I couldn't imagine life without her. So anyway, going to be a short one this week. Uh, I do want to thank everyone for the continued support. We have listeners in over a dozen countries now, spread out over, I want to say, something like 40 U.S. states. Um, and while we do have a large 
geographic area, uh, our numbers are still fairly small comparatively, but you guys have been really supportive and I can't say thank you enough. So the show's actually been in the top 100 on Apple Podcasts aviation charts in three different countries this week. Uh, I don't think all at the same time they change so often, but at some point during this last week, three different countries been in the top 100 for Apple Podcasts aviation charts, uh, and that's India, the U.S., and Canada, and that's all on you guys, so thank you for that. That's awesome. So pretty exciting stuff, and it's all thanks to you guys listening in every week. I have had a great time putting this together every week, and I hope that get to keep doing it for a while. Uh, if you've enjoyed listening, make sure that you follow the podcast. Um, that's going to make sure that you get notified every time that a new episode comes out. Um, if you haven't, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is that you listen to the show. So those kind of things, they really help with the discoverability of the show. So when someone types in, you know, like aviation history or something like that into the search bar on those platforms, it'll actually tell the algorithm based on those ratings and reviews uh, that that's a show that that person might actually want to check out. So I love talking about aviation, sharing these stories from history. So anything we can do to reach more people, that would be awesome. Speaking of pilot stories, this week's Aviator of the Week is Rod. He flies out of Hampton Roads Executive Airport in Virginia, and he recently completed his first solo. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get our schedules to line up and wasn't able to get him on the show. But I did have the opportunity to exchange some messages back and forth. We talked a little bit um, this last week. And he kind of told me a little bit about his story. So Rod, he's a, a Navy vet with 23 years of service uh, when he retired as a chief operations specialist. So his retirement gift to himself, got out of the military, his retirement gift to himself was a discovery flight. And we talk about the discovery flights. Discovery flights are huge if you've always thought about aviation and just want to see if it's something for you. Can't recommend discovery flights enough. So he got out of the out of the Navy, got himself a discovery flight for retirement, and it obviously did the trick for him. So Rod has co-authored some children's books, uh, and he's actually running for the Virginia House of Delegates in 2023. So to be clear, I'm not in the business of endorsing candidates for any office. Uh, it's just not what this show's about. Not that the plaid stamp of approval carries any weight anyway, uh, but I am in the business of telling aviator and aviatrix stories, and this is an important part of his. So just want to make that clear. But Rod uh, also told me one of his bucket list items, uh, actually his only bucket list item at this point, is that he wants to go to space one day. So congratulations, Rod. That first solo is a big deal and it's a life-changing experience for sure. So I uh, hope that in the near future, we'll be able to get you on the show, talk about your experience, maybe when you get that private pilot check ride knocked out. So if you or someone you know has recently hit a milestone in their flying journey, whether that's completing your first solo, getting your instrument rating, or getting your first job at the airlines, and you'd like to be featured as a Plaid Pilot Podcast aviator or aviatrix of the week, send me an email at todd at theplaidpilot.com or send me a DM on Instagram at theplaidpilot. I love getting to hear from you guys and getting to share your stories. And even if you just want to reach out, say hi, please do that. Um, I do love hearing from you and I always message back. Unless, I guess, if you're one of those investment bots or whatever that they seem to have taken over Instagram. Uh, but I doubt they're on here listening. So, yeah, 
on to our topic of the week, which is Veterans Day. So the story of Veterans Day starts back in November of 1918. So the world had been at war for over four years at this point, and what we would eventually come to call World War I, although back then it was just called the Great War. Would have been a little strange to call it World War I when we didn't know there was going to be two of them. It was a very bloody war. The exact number of casualties varies depending on the source, but most sources will put the number of civilians and military personnel killed around 15 to 20 million, uh, with the number of wounded exceeding 20 million. So easily, we're talking about the 30 to 40 million casualty range. And the world has seen so much death and destruction in these four years, and things were really bad in Germany. Uh, in October, Kaiser Wilhelm II had actually abdicated, and this new Republican government had taken over. So the Republican, in this case, refers to the type of government where there's representatives that ran things rather than a monarch, not to be confused with the Republican Party in the U.S., although the U.S. is an example of a republic. Anyway, so Germany is just in a bad place economically and otherwise at this point, um, after four years of war, and they're willing to accept just about anything that the Allied powers would demand. And they did really have some substantial demands for Germany. So all of these leaders, they met up in a train car in a secluded forest near Compiègne, France. I hope I'm saying that right. Which was about 40 or 50 miles north of Paris. Uh, all very much outside the public eye. So long story short, Germany agrees to the demands of the Allied powers. Because at this point, they don't really have much of a choice. Uh, and on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, armistice went into effect, and the fighting was supposed to end. Now, we know it didn't all end immediately as soon as the clock struck 11 a.m., uh, but it was supposed to have. And my understanding is that by sundown of the 11th, nearly all hostilities were over. So the armistice agreement required a complete demilitarization of Germany. So they had to turn over all kinds of equipment and stuff that had been used or could be used for war. And it's important to know that this wasn't the official end of the war. Uh, the agreement was essentially a ceasefire for 36 days until official terms of peace could be reached. Now, the armistice actually ended up having to be extended a handful of times, but eventually terms were reached. Now, there's a lot involved with those peace terms, and the way it was handled by the Allies sort of paved the way for World War II. It kind of set the stage uh, for later conflicts. And, you know, most of many of the conflicts that we would see throughout the 20th century, which is ironic because one of the nicknames for World War I was the war to end all wars, and it kind of set everything up for all the wars in the future. But And that's way outside the scope of this particular episode, but I think it's worth noting because it's such a great example of who we, at least in some parts of the world, were taught are the quote-unquote good guys, actually ended up messing things up down the road when these political leaders, they came in and it kind of became more about rather than finding a solution that was best for everybody, they kind of got together and said, let's make Germany pay for this war that they got involved in. And those actions would, would set the stage for World War II and then a lot of, lot of things to follow. Uh, but for all practical purposes, November 11th of 1918, the war is over. So many of the countries involved in the war particularly the Allied powers, uh, adopted the day as a holiday, calling it Armistice Day. And it would be observed with moments of silence and things like that. 
uh, as kind of a day of remembrance and, and that kind of thing. And this would be the case for a couple of decades, through the 20s and 30s, until war broke out again. So once Britain got involved in World War II, uh, they moved the day to, you know, it was on the 11th. They changed that to be the closest Sunday to the 11th, usually the second Sunday of November. So they'd still be able to observe their moment of silence without interrupting all of this wartime production effort that had started kicking off. So used to be, you know, they would on the 11th, they would have this moment of silence and things would kind of shut down. Well, as World War II starts picking up, their, you know, factories are working overtime and it's super important that they are able to uh, see that wartime production and in an effort to not have to shut the factory down for a few minutes, you know, everything would have to get shut down. They'd have their few minutes of silence and then everything would have to get brought back up. That would create such a lag in the production. They decided they were going to just move it to the nearest Sunday and that would be that. So eventually it would become called Remembrance Sunday and they still observe that holiday today. Now, in the U.S., Armistice Day was observed as a day to recognize the sacrifices made by those in the First World War, uh, but it didn't actually become a legal holiday until 1938, so uh, a couple decades later. After the war, instead of Armistice Day, this is after World War II, uh, instead of Armistice Day, the U.S. changed it to All Veterans Day. Essentially, they realized, you know, let's let's recognize veterans from all wars instead of just this one, which, you know, essentially was what Armistice Day was. And eventually that All Veterans Day was shortened to Veterans Day, and it's meant to honor all veterans who have served regardless of the conflict. The other countries also changed the name after the war, and a lot of those chose to go with uh, the name Remembrance Day. Now, a little note on the spelling of Veterans Day, because I've seen it spelt multiple ways, you know, with a in apostrophe S or NS apostrophe, and there seems to be a little bit of confusion there. The proper proper spelling is no apostrophe. So just V-E-T-E-R-A-N-S, no apostrophe day. So it's not a day that belongs to veterans. Rather, it's a day to honor veterans. But it's important to know that it, it is more than a U.S. holiday. Uh, a lot of other countries observe it in some fashions. Uh, I can't speak to how other countries honor their veterans, but it is worth mentioning for the U.S. Uh, we have a couple different holidays that people confuse the meanings of. So Veterans Day is specifically for honoring those who served and were discharged under conditions other than dishonorably. So if you're a veteran and you were discharged, you didn't receive a dishonorable discharge, Veterans Day is for you. Now Armed Forces Day is for those who are still serving today. And then Memorial Day, of course, is to remember those who died wearing the uniform. So those three days, I know a lot of times they kind of all get blended up together. And there's actually three separate groups of people that are being honored uh, or are intended to be honored on those specific days. So now, you know, it is I think it's an important distinction to make, but it's one that often people kind of mix up on who to recognize on which day. So that's a brief history of Veterans Day. Uh, in the U.S., we observe it, especially in schools. Uh, a lot of times they'll make cards for veterans. Uh, some places will lower the flag to half-mast. Some churches, they have special services on Veterans Day um, to recognize those who've served. And at 11 a.m., a lot of places will actually observe a moment of silence. Kind of goes back to that 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month thing. 
something we do here in a lot of places is hold parades. As a matter of fact, growing up, we went to the Veterans Day Parade almost every year. And it was in, I can't remember if it was Sulphur, Oklahoma or Davis, Oklahoma. But um, more often than not, we went to that parade every year. And military service is big in my family. Uh, My dad served in the Air Force along with my uncle, which was his brother. Um, One of my uncles on my mom's side was in the Navy. And he actually worked on F-14s out of Miramar back in the day. I have a handful of cousins who served in various branches uh, and a great uncle, I guess it'd be a great, great uncle uh, who was in the Navy during World War II. And my wife's grandfather actually served uh, in the same war on the other side of the globe uh, as a Marine in the, in the Pacific theater. And I don't know where all he went, but he did spend some time in China. And uh, her uncle also flew F-15s uh, among some other airframes in the Air Force. Uh, he's retired Air Force now, flies for the airlines. And she has a, a couple cousins that have served as well in other branches. And I'm sure there's other people that are slipping my mind right now. And I'll feel bad about forgetting them later. Um, but all that to say that there's just a lot of veterans in the family. Of course, I, I spent a handful of years turning riches for the Air Force. So I wouldn't exactly call the family a military family. Uh, but we definitely have respect and understanding for those who have worn the uniform. And we know some of what it means for service members and their families. So if you're listening and you've served, uh, I want to say I appreciate it. Now, I know we've had some listeners in Australia and Canada and France um, and maybe some other places that observe Remembrance Day or Armistice Day or something similar. Uh, If you are from one of those countries outside the U.S. and you have a holiday meant to honor your veterans or multiple holidays potentially to honor your veterans, uh, it'd be awesome you shoot me a message uh, and tell me how you do things over there. What holidays do you have? What do you call them? And kind of what the uh, observance is there? What traditions you have for honoring those veterans? Um, I mentioned my contact info earlier in the show, but in case you missed it, uh, I'll be sure to leave it in the show notes as well. You can go there, shoot me an email, hit me up on Instagram. Uh, Would love to hear how you guys do things over there. I know we kept things short this week, but make sure you tune in next week and it'll be back to business as usual. I'll be talking with Kai Plaskon about his book, Silent Heroes of the Cold War. We'll be discussing the wreck of a C-54 in the mountains northwest of Las Vegas in 1955 that left 14 dead and the government scrambling to cover it up. Y'all stay safe this week, and as my amazing wife says every time I go flying, fluffy landings.